You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everyone. I am Johnny Christ, and this is the Drinks with Johnny podcast. Thanks for tuning in to another great episode as I am joined by the singer of Daughtry, Chris Daughtry himself. We get into all so much stuff. We get into the new record. Daughtry has a new record that came out on Friday. If you didn't already know that, go check that out after you're done listening to this episode. Uh, We got into some of his time on uh, American Idol, some of the the behind-the-scenes stuff that was going on. Uh, he was recently on The Masked Singer, so we get into some of that, and so, so much more. Had a great time talking to Chris. This is a this was a really fun chat for me. Uh, for more Drinks with Johnny information, listen through to the end. I'll talk to you guys then. But without further ado, I bring you my chat with Chris Daughtry. What's up, everybody? I am Johnny Christ, and this is Drinks with Johnny. Thank you guys for tuning in to another week, as I have another great guest, Chris Daughtry of Daughtry, on the show. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. I mean, where where you uh, you're on the road right now with uh, Seven Dust, right? Is that is that correct? We we start that in November. In November, so, um, okay. Just yeah, just in LA right now, doing some uh, doing some press for launch week, album launch, and then uh, back home for a few days in Nashville. Right on, right on. Um, whereabouts in LA are you? We're uh, I'm I'm right here at my hotel here in West Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> well, right on. Let's get into the, yeah. the record real quick. We'll start off with that since you already brought it up. Um, uh, uh, Paul Christensen reached out to us and said that you'd be a great guest. I was like, fuck yeah. Um, and then I didn't even realize right at on. the time there was going to be uh, a new album at this time that we were recording as we talked a few weeks ago. And uh, yeah, he set the wet transfer for it. Uh, last week, I've been listening to it since. Great record! Congratulations on "Heavy Is the Thank Ground" you, man. being a uh, thank you so much top ten record uh, or top ten single right now in, in uh, rock radio. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I think it's the first time we've seen the charts in over a decade. So uh, we're we're pretty stoked that uh, that the rock community has embraced us again. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, well, to be honest, I I uh, when. When, uh, when Paul reached out and was going to get us in contact for the show, I was like, man, I haven't heard Daughtry in a minute. Like, I just I, it, yeah. I just haven't heard it, you know. Um, and I looked back, and was, you guys have been active the whole time, but I was like, 
It's like, okay, well, yeah. let's, let's, let's just go in straight to this new record that uh, came out. We're recording uh, before it come out, obviously, but it came okay. out this weekend yeah, yeah. on Friday. This, this is now Monday for those of us listening at home. Uh, yeah, so I listened to it and I was like, how did I forget about this? Chris can sing his fucking ass off. And I was listening to it and I was like, I was like, okay, you know, it's, it's rocking. We're getting some rock stuff going. And then like I was blown away a couple of times on the record with your, with your vocals, Thank you. man. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. Um, you know, this is, this is, uh, this is certainly the record that, um, not only the record that I've, I've wanted to make for a very long time, but I think it's the record that fans have expected from us for a very long time. And, um, you know, that first record, um, I had a very clear vision of what kind of record I wanted to make. And then, you know, you start to have this like crossover success with hot AC and, and pop radio. And all of a sudden everybody at the label starts to like, like really focus there and all the rock, guys at the label are like yeah well we've got got our hands tied we're turning in these rock songs and they're like yeah cool but we're focusing on this and so you know after finishing a contract with rca and i was able to part ways and do my own thing and i didn't have all these fucking you know influences or (laughs) voice yeah voices telling me like hey you need to be doing what so-and-so is doing over here if you want to stay relevant or hey we need this type of song we need hey this is going to be a hit you got to do this i was able to listen to my voice and be like what the fuck do i want to do what kind of record do i want to make and i started going back and listening to all the records that got me excited as a kid that made me want to do this to begin with like you know like live secret samadhi uh, uh super unknown bad motor finger Allison Chain's facelift and dirt and all those records. I was like, this is what made me want to do music in the first place. Like, why am I not doing this? And I didn't have anybody telling me I couldn't. So I went into it um, with a very clear uh, vision of what kind of record I wanted to make. And, um, you know, there was certainly the fear of um, not being uh, embraced by the rock community. And then Matt Penfield jumped on board and was like, dude, I fucking love this record. And this is, this is killer and started, you know, supporting it out here in LA. And um, man, it's just, uh, it's been, the response has been overwhelming. So I couldn't be happier how it turned out. Yeah. Like I said, I, I, I hadn't heard a lot of, a lot from you guys in the last little while. And then listening to this was like a breath of fresh air and hearing, you know, hearing you just go for it on those vocals, like really, especially to me, the songwriting is great too, but like just when you bring up the supernova, the, uh, the, that nineties rock vibe. And it's like, I could hear that in your voice a lot. And I, I guess it's something I kind of overlooked earlier on in your guys' career. And, uh, it's really prevalent yeah. on this record. Thank you, man. It, it definitely, um, I definitely brought all my nineties influences to this record for sure. Um, you can hear and it, uh, I, I think I got to do some things that I've never gotten to do vocally and just the way the songs kind of brought it out of me um, and having worked with Scott Stevens, who produced it, Scott Stevens and Marty Fredrickson, Scott Stevens from the X's, Marty Fredrickson, who I've written uh, numerous songs with these guys, but I felt like they understood me as an artist and, and knew what, you know, uh, where my sweet spot was and they really really brought it to life well i love that we'll get more into that but i noticed that you got a can there i was just opening up my oh yeah 
You know, the title is Drinks with Johnny. What are you sipping on over there? This is uh, this is Two Roots Brewing Company. It's uh, IPA, non-alcoholic beer. A non-alcoholic uh, IPA. Yeah, That's one yeah. I haven't had, it's, you know? It's, it's good. I, you know, I... I I quit drinking a while back, and but I still like the taste of beer. So, <laughs> here we are. Man, I wish I, 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 I wish I didn't like the taste of beer as you know as much as I do too, because it's like those IPAs, man, are really heavy. And I'm like, I'm like sitting at home for the last three years, ballooning up, and I'm like, I got to get fucking back in shape. So I started finding these uh, Lagunitas Hi-Fi hops. It's sparkling nice. water. It's sparkling water. It kind of tastes like a beer because uh, it's infused with uh, THC and CBD. But it's zero nice. calories, and it's just, I feel like I'm drinking a beer, and you get a nice little mellow buzz, but you don't get too fucked up or anything. There you go. The zero calories, man. That's the key. This has 120. I need to, I need to switch over. Oh, <laughs> come by the house, man. I got you hooked up. No worries. Right on. Right on. Um, that's interesting. You just said you uh, uh, you quit drinking a few years ago. What was the uh, the press? No, actually, back in, back in December. It was just like, it wasn't even like, uh, I think, I think. You know, when the pandemic hit, I was, it was like, it, it became like so easy to just like, fuck it. Like, <laughs> what else am I going to do with my day? I think that was everybody and, at uh, home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, and then I just woke up one morning going, and, and I think I'd been kind of like thinking about it for the past five years. And I was just like, you know, I think I'm done. I just I just decided I didn't want to anymore. And, and I, like, I can be around it. I don't. It doesn't bother me if anyone else is drinking. I just, I just didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah, so. it's just, not, it's just not for you. It's not anymore at this yeah, point. Yeah, just in your a life. personal. Do choice. you ever think yeah. you'll go back, or is it just like, do you ever think, or is it just like you'll see how life goes? I mean, it seems it's, like more. Yeah, like it's not even goes. something. It's not even something I really think about. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely, I definitely don't miss waking up with a hangover. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch! You called me out on my own shit. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely don't miss that. <laughs> no, neither do I. That's why. I mean, I. Just like everybody else, like you said, over the last year, so easy just to like start drinking like at like I don't know early as two o'clock in the afternoon every day, you know. So it's yeah, like, yeah. And I I was doing this podcast virtually the same way, and I was like, well, uh, someone wants to start drinking with me at eleven o'clock in the morning. I'm not going to say no, you know. And we exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's. Bit, I mean, don't get me wrong. There was definitely a lot of fun moments, but you're right. I don't miss the hangovers oh, from it as much. Hundred percent, man. I had to. 100%. I had to. Bring, I had to bring that drinking back quite a bit so I, I was like man i don't even like feeling like this the next day anymore i think that comes with yeah, age too totally. i don't remember feeling like that in my 20s oh no no doubt no doubt I'm, once i hit 40 man all everything changed <laughs> how old are you now uh, i'll be 42 in december in december oh wow happy birthday because i probably won't talk to you again thank you until then <laughs> yeah but uh yeah uh i i turned uh 37 this november so not too right far on man the months and yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to go back to uh, where everybody probably uh, first got got to know the name Chris Daughtry was on uh, season five of American Idol, right? Yeah. And I was I remember hearing that it was in two thousand two. I had just joined the band Avenged Sevenfold when uh, you were uh, starting out there and, and getting known. I just had a few questions about that because I've never known that experience, nor have I talked to anyone else through that. Um, mm-hmm. Was I mean? Was that kind of what were the behind the scenes like? I mean, you, everyone sees the, you know, the pressure yeah. of getting to know you. Like they bring in the interviews, and there's always the backstory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guys that made it further and further into the show. Um, yeah. Was there a lot of Was there a lot of help? A lot of influence behind the scene and what you guys got to do? 
It was weird, man, because this was in like 2005, 2006, before social media, before uh, shit, before iPhones even. So like, that's right, 2005. We didn't think, yeah, I, I, I yeah, said so we weren't. I think, sorry. <laughs> so we we weren't like we couldn't even post shit. Like there was that wasn't even heard of at the time. It was right. so weird. Like looking back at how so much has changed since then, um, and as well as you know with. Our, with our industry it's like it, it's like unrecognizable uh right. from from when i got started till now um but it was you know it was it was certainly weird and we were in a very isolated bubble um we weren't allowed to go out we weren't allowed to um you know really leave the the compound so to speak the apartment complex and if we did we had to have security it was it was very very sheltered very um and then i remember going to the grove and like people would like because you you're you're kind of in this bubble and you you're at the studio and you you're in front of cameras but you're not around the public so i remember the first time actually being recognized it, it was such a weird feeling because you know, I, nothing's different on my end. I'm just doing shit on TV. And all of a sudden people at the Grove were like, like kind of like crowding around us. And, and it was, uh, I remember that was a, that was a huge, like, Oh shit moment. Like this is real. Like, uh, um, and I don't think I ever really got used to that aspect of it. Um, I still forget sometimes that people know who I am. I just go out and do my own thing. Um, and I think that was one of the weirdest uh, things for me because, you know, I just wanted to be in a rock band and wanted to play rock music and, and be on stage. I never really, you know, thought about the, the fame aspect that comes right. along with being on television. So that was that was definitely a weird, weird uh, thing to get used to. Hey, everyone. This is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. Yeah, and as I said, that was what season five. So it was really early on yeah. in, the, in in the show that ended up, you know, spawning so many big names um, uh, uh, through it. Not even just the ones winning. Um, but I had one quick question. You mentioned that, that you guys were like on a lockdown. Uh, can you explain exactly what the reason was for that? Was that because we, while you guys were filming, they didn't like were you guys filming early or wasn't it live? I don't. I don't I remember. Think, I think. I think they wanted to make sure we were protecting the brand. Okay. You know, in hindsight, like I didn't, a lot of us were older, so we could go out and go to bars and party it up and they didn't want anybody making a, you know, bad name for the show. <laughs> um, so they, they really encouraged us to stay. Like if you're going to, you know, hang out and drink or whatever, you do that in your apartment, do not go out. It was, it was very um, strict. And then I found out later, like, uh, you know, I think once social media and everything happened, like, everything went out the window. Like right. they could just do whatever they could even, you know, promote things. We weren't even allowed to have websites. Like if you were in a band, um, or, or had any kind of, uh, 
side musical project. Like you weren't allowed to have anything that promoted you whatsoever. So I was in a band at the time and they had to like take me out of the picture on the website. Uh, it was super weird. We weren't allowed to play instruments. We weren't allowed to do any of that shit. So I remember the next season, I'm like watching them play fucking guitars. And I'm like, really? Really? <laughs> like, like I, that yeah, I, nice. I, I would, yeah, I would have loved to have brought my guitar with me. <laughs> Did you bring it for the for the uh, the tryouts? Like, how how crazy were the tryouts? Because I, I I don't remember how at what point yeah, they, they just got us, insane. They didn't. They didn't let us play it at the tryouts either. I see them do it all the time now. But um, we had to walk into the room cold, just walk yeah. in, and first of all, you go through like, you know, at least in my season, you go through like three rounds of auditions that lead up to the judges that people see on TV. And this was back when still it was Paula, Simon, and Randy, like the original OG3. Yeah. And uh, so I was on the Denver Broncos stadium field, like nine, 10,000 people there at like 5.30 in the morning in line. You gotta like, it, it's like this huge cattle call. And then you, you're you're in a seat and then they call you up like, I think, uh, a few hundred people at a time and you're in these separate lines. So there's like a line of 20 people in front of this judge, a line of 20 people in front of this, or they're all like producers of some sort right? in front of this producer in front of this. And you're all probably within 10 feet apart. And one person from each line goes up all at the same time and sings in front of their respective producers. So you're hearing people like it's a, it's a <laughs> mind fuck. And I just remember walking up, and I ha- I was going to do, um, I did, uh, I put a spell on you from uh, CCR, well, CCR's version CCR's of it. CCR's version. And I just yeah. walked out and I just went out and went, ah, I put a spell on you. And everybody was like, whoop. And like, because oh. it was so fucking loud. And everybody like stopped and was looking like, who's this loud son of a bitch? <laughs> and, uh, and they were like, you're in, dude, you're in. And I think I only sang like 10, 20 seconds of it. And then. It's all this paperwork and then on to the next day in front of the executive producers. And then they were like, nah, I don't know. It's, it's a little harsh, a little too raspy. Uh, maybe, maybe try something from Joe Cocker or something like that. A uh, little, something a little more, uh, you know, uh, I don't, I don't know exactly what, what vernacular they yeah. used, but yeah, but uh, it was something, Maybe a little more recognizable song or something. I don't know. But then I did that uh, for Paula, Simon, and Randy, and it was uh, it was extremely intimidating because you could tell it was TV then because it's like this long, you know, silence, and they're just staring at you, and I'm just like, what? What is even going to happen? Yeah, right and you now? got. I mean, I imagine and, you got like a, a studio. Uh, lighting be around it and everything. Yeah, oh, yeah. Get the good all shots. There's all cameras getting all yep. sorts of angles, and you're just standing yeah, there yeah. ready to go acapella on it. <laughs> yep, and and it's the most intimidating. I think it might have been the most uh, terrifying moment, uh, other than singing the national anthem in front of the uh, uh, the Browns game. <laughs> that, that was also a terrifying moment. When was when did you do that? Uh, I think in like 2008. It was in. Uh, no, sorry, it's the Chicago Bears. Ooh, sorry, even more. That's more intimidating because I was like, you can't be intimidated by the Browns in 2008. Was, I think that was still when they hadn't been to like the playoffs in 16 years. 
It was the Chicago Bears in <laughs> Chicago. It was snowing. It was freezing. Ooh, that's and, not good for the vocal you know, cords. <laughs> the worst song ever, anyway, to sing, you know, in front of thousands of people, unprompted, no music, yeah. no nothing, just you and a, a, a delayed PA. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, that must have been brutal. I could only, I could only but imagine. I'm not it a vocalist, out. but like I could only imagine like that verb, that reverberation because you got to be in the middle too. It's not like when you play stadiums or big festivals or big audiences. You're usually on one side and then they push it all over there, completely surrounded. It's got to be coming back at you, right? Totally, totally. And it doesn't. It's just you're hearing it in the house and it's a delay and it's such a mind fuck. And you're you're already like, you know, the first time you miss a word, you're going to be raked up with coals. So you're already overthinking it. <laughs> uh, I just got to play. I guess got to play those uh, mess ups off. You know, that's just. Oh no, it's yeah. not meant to do that. It's my. That's the way yeah, I wanted to do it. Bringing some artistic freedom in here. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what football? I mean, are you a football fan? Because you're talking. As, as we're talking about football. You know, it's it's weird. I've never. Um, I've always enjoyed being at the games. I've never followed any sport enough to have a team i'm just i'm one of those people that i can just go and enjoy the game for what it is i've never really been a a huge sports nut per se but i've been around it my whole life and either be a family or my band members who are you know they're all diehard sports fanatics but uh, i've just it's never been my thing you mentioned family i i understand you have four kids is that correct uh, actually five. We, oh. uh, I, yeah, we, we, uh, we have, uh, one we adopted, um, who's six oh, and, uh, our older ones that I've raised since they were two and four are now 25 and 23. And then my, me and my wife had twins. So what? yeah, it's a, it's a circus. You've been through quite a lot more than I have on that front. I've got one four and a half year old son. That's it. <laughs> and you're good, dude. I'm, <laughs> I'm promise calling you. It. I'm calling that's it. That's <laughs> all you need. Call it now. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the wife are one and done. We, we make that joke all the time. We're like, oh, we're done. We're I, done. <laughs> I, I high five anyone who, who does that. That's, that's yeah. amazing. You mentioned family, and I brought up the kids because, uh, you know, sports can be pretty big for the kids' life. You got to take them to soccer practice, baseball practice, football, basketball, whatever. Did you have that a lot? We got we got we got volleyball and golf right now, so that's the that's the two things. And uh, uh, my my twins are they're they're about to be eleven, so they're in fifth grade now. Ooh. And uh, yeah, they're it's almost it's almost about to uh, get serious. Boy, 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 and a girl, and she's doing volleyball. Uh, Noah's doing golf, and she wants to be a track star and a gymnast. And she has all these ambitions. So I'm like, "Hey, go for it! Hell you yeah, wanna, that's awesome! You want to put in? You want to put in all that work? I'm all about it." <laughs> uh, do you do you play any of these? Uh, do you play golf with your with with your kids or anything like that? Or are you a golfer? They just they they just started. I suck. So bad at golf. I was like, bud. No one's really good at golf. You, I'm just going to say, that's if your you, pro. If you want, I'm like, buddy, if you want any advice, you have a coach at school. <laughs> uh, I am not your man. I'm the worst. You do not want me teaching you how to play golf. I can teach you how to hit a baseball. I can teach you how to throw a football and catch a football. Get the clubs away from me. You don't want <laughs> any bad habits for me. Every time I swing, it goes to the left. Or the right, it's never straight. Never straight, yeah. Okay, well then we just then we just we we move your feet into the different direction, and we that's how I started. I had a terrible slice always to the right, and yeah. I would just line up at like a 
45 or more degree angle yeah. so I could get it down the fairway. And everyone's like, what are you doing? You You're play? aiming there. <laughs> I'm like, you I play know. play a lot? I, I do now, yeah. I, I just started about three years ago. And then, especially over the last year and a half, I'm, I live right on the golf course, so I was out there a lot. And it's just, I'm still terrible, by the way. Like, you where would be you, fine playing. Where do you me. live? Huntington where Beach. Where do you live? Huntington Beach. Okay, awesome. My, uh, my keyboard player, uh, oh, my wife's from Orange County. Um, oh, really? My keyboard player plays all the time on tour. I'm sure him and Tremonti are going to hit it off. Um, <laughs> but they're always... He's he's always bringing his clubs on tour. He he lives on the golf course. He, he'll play like right up to show day. I'm like, I, how do you do it? Like, how do you have any energy for a show? Yeah, I mean, I it's I an can, exhausting game, dude. Our singer does that too. Our singer always brought his clubs out. Like, we all kind of dabbled at the same time. I think one of our tour managers was a confessor. We had a tour manager at the time. He took us out. He's like, oh, dude, day off. I'm going to take you guys out golf because we weren't into it. We we're in our 20s and we we're like. No, you're not getting us out on the golf course on a day off. You got to be kidding yeah. me. We went out and a few of us, really, a few of the guys took to it. I was like hit or miss. And then since then, like our singer uh, Shadows would bring out his golf clubs everywhere. So he's playing in Europe. He's playing all over these places. And I'm like, wow. man, why are you doing that? That seems so boring. And now I'm looking back and I'm like, I would have, I can't wait to get back out on the road to go play golf. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard it's, I've heard it's addicting, man. I've heard it's addicting. You come out with me, Chris, we'll have some fun because I'm not, I'm not good. So there's going to be no we can, pressure whatsoever. We can, we can, we can suck together. Yeah, exactly. And just, <laughs> and just shoot the shit. It's fun as shit. Um, yeah. But getting back to some of the, some of the American Idol stuff, but then was it, when was it that you came back on and was the Rottweiler for the Mass Singer? That wasn't that long ago. Oh, that right? was that was that was last night. It was right before the pandemic, so 2019. Okay, yeah, because I mean, yeah, I saw that. So I saw that, and I was like, my our producer who is uh, is a huge fan of the of the Mass Singer. He, him and his family yeah. watch it all the time, and he's like, dude. I remember when, when Chris did this and we were freaking out because he's like, I, as a family, we start to get like into uh, uh, guessing who it's going to be, right? And it's like a family yeah, yeah, competition, yeah. right? And he's like, and he's like, oh, but he had a really interesting question and uh, I wanted to bring it up here. How do you decide what songs you're going to sing on a show like The Masked Singer where uh, you're... I mean, your object is to kind of throw off the du- the judges, right? So you don't want to go out there and sound yeah. like Chris. You want to go out there and maybe throw them off. So, I, I mean, That's, how did you choose your songs in that? That was that was definitely um, always at the forefront of deciding. Like, you know, it had to be songs that that I loved and and you know would be able to because. First of all, I started like pitching shit that would have been like way up, like Rick Astley, never going to give you up, fucking, <laughs> you know, uh, Ice Ice Baby, you know, yes. stuff that would have just been like so, and they're like, okay, we got to be serious here. We got it. We at least, we want you to sound good. We want you to sing good. Um, and I'm like, yeah, but but they're going to know it's me if I do this. And and so, um, you know, did Hall and Oates and, you know, I, I wanted to stick to more soulful stuff that didn't really force me to be at the top of my range mm-hmm. um because it's it's hard to mask it no pun intended uh anyway but when you're like out there in this 80 pound fucking you know mascot suit and you're you're you can barely breathe you're just happy that that you can get the notes out 
Oh, I was going anyway, to ask. I was um, going to ask about that too. That was going to be a follow up there. Like, I just, I was curious, like, because I mean, you're muffled too, right? There's, I mean, there's got to be a mesh right there. Um, do do they have specific yeah, there was costumes a, for that so you can still project a little bit, or are they just like, go so figure you, it out, buddy? Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> there's a mesh. There was a mesh um, like right here, so I had to keep the mic right there, and then the open of, of the mouth was where I could see out of, but it was like the size of an index card. Uh-huh. And I remember, you know, you do all the rehearsals, all the choreography, and you've got a mirror in this choreography room. So you can kind of see like where you're facing and get your bearings. The first time I get out on that stage, the lights are going. I have no fucking idea where I am, where <laughs> the camera is. They're like turning me around. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what is how am I going to not fall off this stage? You can't see shit. Wow. And it took it took some time to get used to, for real. Um, I was staring at my feet a lot, and they had to put extra markers on the floor to, like, like face this way. It was really tough. It was the most difficult. Um, what, like, I physical think, way of singing, I would imagine? Because, I mean, you got, yeah, you're, you're mentioning also you're going down. And as a singer, you know, you want to you want to get your lungs up here. And you, if you're looking down the whole time, that's not going to be very comfortable you, either. I had no idea how restrictive it would feel. And you're recycling your own air, essentially. So two lines in and you're fucking winded. You're like, I oh, my remember. God, like this is how how am I going to get through? You know, luckily, they weren't three, three and a half minute songs. They were like two minutes yeah short versions right <laughs> those those two minutes felt like an eternity but i remember one time this was the, the craziest thing is you have no idea who's on the show like you have no idea who you're up against we're not allowed to be near any of the other contestants we don't see them we don't you're not allowed to talk because you didn't they didn't want us recognizing anybody's voice even the producers didn't know who some of them were. There was only wow. certain people that were allowed to know. I mean, which is crazy because if I would have known, like, Seal, I was up against Seal and Patty LaBelle, I would have been like shitting myself, right? Like, <laughs> that, that's who I was up against. And uh, and I remember there was one time they brought us all out on stage together, and I'm sitting back there. We're not allowed to talk, and we're all just kind of like gesturing to each other. And I'm looking around and I'm going, I've never done acid, but I can imagine that this is exactly <laughs> what it's like. All these fucking weird ass characters like dressed up and doing like robot movements and some trips we're not are allowed like that. to talk. I, I have done acid before and I can tell you some trips are like that. Not all of them. <laughs> and some not so good. Um, but it was it was it was pretty gnarly, man. It was probably the trippiest thing I've ever done in my career. But I had a lot of fun doing it, and I actually, you know, I reckon any any singer that, I mean, just having that anonymity is is fun. Just to go out there and goof off and you know do whatever and and have n- nobody know who you are. That was a lot of fun, dude. I, I can imagine. It seems like everyone has a blast on that set, and I I, mm-hmm. I love hearing the behind the scenes that they actually don't know who's there. You know, because sometimes you, you as a, as a viewer or something, you're like. Okay, they didn't. They they know. They all know what's going on. You know, right? And uh, so, it's, and it's harder. And it's harder in the house because it's like a big lot. You know, hearing it through a PA versus hearing it through a TV screen. So they're hearing something, you know, a little more washed out than what people are hearing at home. So it's a little easier to tell at home who it is versus being in the room. Right. Right. 
And, uh, you know, that's, that brings me back to the American Idol stuff and the behind the scenes there. Like, uh, you know, as, uh, as intense as that was, at least you were kind of in your bubble, so you didn't understand, as you pointed out earlier on, just how yeah. massive it was to the rest of the world. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. My question there is like going back to like the the producers behind and everything like that. Uh, you were one of the finalists, but you didn't win all all the way. And you know you got your contract. You 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 created Daughtry after that out of out of that success. Yeah. But you were still able to do it more on your terms. Whereas I got to imagine the winner, the overall finalist at, at American Idol, has that yeah. set in stone contract that they're going after. And now they got to listen to everybody. Did you feel like you kind of? In a way, there's a silver lining to not winning the whole thing that you could go off and do your own thing rather than having to start the your your first album, your first whatever with the American Idol producers. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm not really so sure what their contract was like, but I do feel like, in essence, I dodged a bullet. Um, you know, I was always inspired by bands. I was always, you know, everything that made me, every artist that made me want to do this was in a band. You know, I was always in bands. So it just never felt like I never saw myself as going out as like Chris Daughtry, you know, like some, you know, solo artist. Right. That was just never a, a, an, any kind of attraction to me. So, you know, I knew that we had to have some sort of recognition, name recognition coming off the show. And I just figured, hey, pull a Bon Jovi and use your last name. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, when you got, well, that works yeah, when man. you got it, when you got a cool enough it sounding worked. name, you know, like my, my real last name would never work for a, for a band. I'm just, I'm just saying it right there. It would never work. <laughs> but Christ would be a great band. It name. would, but then it would be, it would confuse a lot of people. They think it was some kind of Christian it rock would. band and then, yeah, uh, yeah, or exactly. is it anti? And I'd be like, no, it's neither. And that would be all yeah. we talk about in interviews and they'd be done. Uh, every every interview, you'd have to put, you'd have to answer that. <laughs> yeah, you know how that is. I know how that is. Like yeah. every interview has the same staple <laughs> ones, and uh, to be honest, that's why I try to I try not to stick to those as 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 often as I can. But uh, yeah, cheers to that. Cheers, real quick, because we have actually. I cheers. just realized we're about halfway through, and I still haven't said cheers. Well, here we go. Um, uh, we were talking. Um, about uh, the contracts and everything, and, and uh, you you said you didn't never you never saw yourself as like just Chris Daughtry as as a solo artist right. or anything that your bands you talk about some of your influences, but moreover than that, like if that was always your path, what made you decide, hey, this American Idol thing, I'm going to go give it a shot? Yeah, that's a good question because it's definitely not the the rock way, right? right. Um, I, and I was against it for so long. I, I had been playing in clubs, um, um, you know, almost 10 years at that point. And I felt like I was spinning wheels. Mind you, this is before YouTube. This is before, you know, it was so easy to get your music out there via the internet. You know, we had MySpace, I think was like. The, uh, yeah, it wasn't even very big at that, that point. Like, no, and that wasn't even that. Exactly. That wasn't even a huge uh, tool to get in front of record labels or anything like that. And I was in a small town in North Carolina at the time. And felt like I was spinning wheels, not really, I, I couldn't get a, a, a good gig to save my life because where I was at, everybody wanted like cover bands and we did original music and, um, you know, the places that would hire uh, original bands, it was these small dive bars that nobody 
went to or or maybe you had 30 people there that you begged to come there from work, you know, on your guest list. And uh, I just <laughs> You had like 30 people really and going. I begged my friends to come. We only came up with like five. <laughs> <laughs> well, only five of them were my friends. The other 30 just happened to be there that night. Um, <laughs> of the 25. Yeah. Uh, but uh, other, I'll, I remember always asking guys that I worked with, hey, you coming in? Oh, I'll see you next time. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> the perfect result. Just fuck you, man. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, so my wife kept like trying to get me to like do these, you know, um, talent type shows like star search and, and, you know, uh, American idol. And I was just like, nah, you know, that ain't, that's not cool. That's not the way we do it in the rock world. And, uh, then this thing came up called rock star in excess and um oh that was with uh and I, dave navarro right was that was dave navarro part of that that was rockstar supernova so that oh, was okay. the second but the first one was rockstar in excess and um and i tried out for it and i auditioned and um i didn't i didn't get in for whatever reason and um and i was like well you know it was kind of deflating but then I was just happened to start watching American Idol that season right after that to see, you know, just to see if anything kind of changed my mind. Mm. And it was the same year that Carrie Underwood was on and, uh, and Bo Bice. And it, it, it was basically, it, it didn't seem as, as pop as I had right. remembered it from prior seasons. And I was like, oh, well, maybe there is room for someone like me, but no one's done, you know, kind of a modern rock vibe. So they're either going to, I'm either going to get in and, and make it a week or two, or they're going to hate my guts. And, you know, it was at least worth a shot. And uh, it worked out. Well, I mean, there is one, there's, there's one part that's undeniable about, about all the contestants of American Idols, they can sing their asses off. I mean, that's one thing that like everyone like tunes in for is like, you know, after yeah. the tryouts, of course, we're talking about once the competition really yeah, starts. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, and so many huge uh, acts have come out from from those years ago. You mentioned Carrie Underwood, uh, Kelly Clarkson. I mean, so many others. Like, and it's just uh, yeah. really has set them off for a real platform. And it, and I'm, I like that you keep pointing out to the fact that there was a time for this too, where it's like like not necessarily works today, but like. Before that was a good way to kind of catapult and showcase your talent and get in front yeah. of an audience that didn't exist for you before. Yeah, and now everybody's got TikTok. I mean, you got Instagram. You can put that shit out there and get a million views. Yeah, and have a song, and you're just sitting in your bedroom. You know, it's crazy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> as, you, I, as I said, I, a know. lot has changed. It's pretty crazy, like to see what it is, what has changed, but. Uh, Wherever you're listening to this podcast, make sure you're subscribed and leave us a five-star review. If you want to listen to this show ad-free, head over to drinkswithjohnny.com and become a premium member. You'll get to enjoy unreleased clips from your favorite guests, discounts on merchandise in our shop, and access to our private Discord server where you can chat one-on-one with Johnny Christ himself. Awesome! So stay tuned, stay thirsty, and stay filthy as fuck.
Well, when's, yeah, that, the la- when's the last time you were on the road? When's last the last time, time you guys toured? The last time we toured, was we got off the road in 2018, summer. Um, we finished up our European run of those festivals that, that you know, uh, that are huge and you get out and you, you can't miss those summer festivals if you're if you're in a rock. We're doing we're doing those next year. Um, we were supposed to be on it this year, but you know. Well, you know what? We're probably reasons. we we announced a couple of dates on those too. So uh, I think we might be doing Download Festival together. Oh, really? And Rock and Ring Park, maybe. I think I remember seeing we might be on the same day. That'd yeah. be great. Well, we'll have to re- we'll have to reconnect and say hey in person at least maybe before yeah, then. Yeah, maybe if we not, can. We'll definitely do it then. Absolutely, yeah. But uh, yeah, we got off the road from those European in eighteen. We had a, a last bit of a tour, like our last little U.S. run was going to be with uh, Prophets of Rage, and uh, our vocalist had a had a had an issue, and we had to cancel the tour. We we're like, all right, well, that sucks, but uh, he'll he'll rehab. It'll get us time to work on a new record. We're doing it. We're he's rehabbing. We're writing a new record. We're getting into the new record. We're about to like really get into the new record. And then everyone knows what happened. So we just like kind of went, okay, yeah. let's take our time now because there's no rush now, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. So for us right now, we're finishing that up and we're going to get out next year sometime. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, we got off and this will be the, I was talking to like just one of my neighbors and they're like, man, I've never seen you home this much. I'm like, I know, like since the age of 18, this is by far and away the longest I've been home for one stint. And it's kind of, it's yeah. nice because I got a young family, but it's also like, get me the fuck out of here. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I'm i with you. I hadn't been home this long in like 15 years. So it was, I, it took some getting used to, man. I, I, I had a bit of an identity crisis at first. <laughs> oh. I was, I, I didn't, I couldn't just run and escape to the road, you know? I had to like learn how to be a dad again and a husband. Like, holy shit, I got to like face some stuff. <laughs> no shit. I think I'm a not, lot of us did, man. I know, yeah. I know for me, I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful. I started therapy before that. And then I was just like, I'm only going to, I'm only going to talk. Yeah. I'm like, I'm only going to say before I'd only talk to my therapist every few months, something like that. And then I was like, no, we're getting on the phone once a month now, dude. Like I, I, I need yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. I, I started therapy before COVID and then COVID happened. And uh, we had a few phone calls and then, then I dove into the record and that became my therapy. So, yeah, man. um, I think, I think everybody needs therapy. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Well, to I, me I, at this point in my life, I look around and I have a lot of, a lot of friends and everybody and everyone's very open about it now, which is great. Uh, yeah. cause a lot of people, there was a stigma for so many years about, you know, if you're talking to totally. a therapist, there's something wrong with you. It's like, well, first of all, there's something wrong with everybody. If you think there's nothing wrong with you. I don't really want to know you at this point in my life because you're not working yes. on yourself anymore. You got to continually agree, work on man. yourself as a human being. Like, even if you're not, it's kind of like you, you're not at the pinnacle. The pinnacle is when you leave this no. body. Like that's like, absolutely you're not there absolutely. yet. So just keep working. The the teacher who is not a student is neither. Oh, I like that. Was, yeah, I like that line. I, like I don't. Know, I don't know who said that, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to ask you, so I'm glad. You died, but hey, you know. Uh, but I, I heard it. I heard it recently. I'm like, yes. I, I I'm a sponge, man. I'm always trying to be the the best. You know, the next best version of me. Right. Um, yeah. And that, and for me, it's not even necessarily like the next best thing. And I, it's it's just no. I mean, it's it's a process. My life. It, that's what yeah. this life is for me is it's a process of working on myself and all that 
you know, all that fun, nice, peaceful shit, and everyone on will comment down below, Johnny's too woke these days or some bullshit like that. I don't even know what that yeah. means. But, uh, you know. I just, what, is, what, what is it? Uh, Johnny's too woke these days or something. I've seen a couple comments like that. I'm like, <laughs> I don't even know what that means, man. I'm just trying to live my life. <laughs> I, so It's just self-awareness, man. I, I, you know, I, and like you said, there's so much stigma about, you know, I, look, I think whether you're in the music industry or just a human being in general, I think we all have things that we have to reflect on sometimes. And um, I think the more open we are about it, the the, the better we become as human beings. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I, I'm glad that we're having this chat and uh, realizing we're going to get to see each other at least next summer, hopefully sooner than that. Yeah, totally. But uh, I totally, want to get man. back. I want to get back to just a couple more things. You talked about your musical sure. influences. The, the easy one to go to. Um, but what for this record, uh, this new record, Dearly Beloved, that just came out Friday, um, what was, what was you said therapy and, and, and you mentioned a couple of 90s uh, rock albums, but yeah, what was, I mean, I know that this was your first record kind of being yourself without any outside influences as we talked about mm-hmm. at the top. Um, what was like the writing process per se on it? Like not just when you were laying it down vocally, everything like that. Yeah, like, yeah. Pen to paper lyrically. When you're yep. writing with your guitar, like what what was the, you know, what was the inspiration on those moments? Not the overall thing, like those moments. Well, I think um, like there's, we went into this record keeping it very close to the chest. It was me, Scott and Marty for the most part in the studio just um, kicking around different ideas. And this was pre-pandemic. And I had a couple songs that I had written um, prior to uh, going into the sessions that I had kind of waiting to develop. Um, like, um, you know, the, the opening track of the record was, you know, me just, you know, I, I remember right, starting to write this song. It's called Desperation uh, on the last tour, like during warm-ups. You know, before the show, um, I had this idea and I kept, you know, for me, it always starts with like a melody and a chord progression and gibberish, you know. <laughs> yeah, the, the melody is gibberish, right? The melody is always. Yeah. Like, and, and then <laughs> and I'll record that on my phone and I'll just listen to it. And it sounds like I said this or what. It, at least it gives me some vowels and phonetics to like kind of gravitate towards and kind of figure out words later and 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 it was kind of just it was a very introspective record and very uh reflective record on what's going on around me and just kind of writing down uh i've never really been one to write about current events or politics or news or anything like that but i had a hard time not writing about how things were affecting me um and and it may be because i was being I was in a more vulnerable place uh, personally and, and opened up to, you know, um, my feelings more. And that sort of informed the lyrics. And um, but that song was kind of inspired by just seeing all the shit going on in the world with like, I mean, you're hearing about like child sex trafficking, you're hearing about um, you know, people being locked up at the border, like all this stuff going on. And, and it, and it, and I just started spilling out these ideas and, and, it, and I was like the only 
like desperation calls for love to come and lead us home and right. love is going to mend these bones and I, great lyrics by the way this, I, did, I, I did find thank you pretty, i did find it pretty inspiring and, and very as you said in this in this moment not the band that i love as well but like yeah it is very yeah, much yeah. in this moment of of our time and i i've always found for me uh, in, in our band is we write for ourselves in that moment of our lives and that moment in our time. And it sounds like you've, you've really done that on this record where you're like, I don't need to talk about what's necessarily going on, but how it's affecting me and using that as my, as your muse. Is is that pretty accurate? Yes. 100%. 100%. And, and weirdly enough, like, uh, world on fire, we wrote before, the pandemic before yeah uh before before covid before the george floyd incident before any of this stuff and we had all of that in there the sickness is rising the angels are crying that's the sound of a world on fire 20 dead without a fight without a reason 20 more in a cop car bleeding like and that was all before we're we like all this shit that was all before and we're like what the fuck clairvoyance <laughs> like, clairvoyance i know that i know the album's already so, called dearly beloved but you could have put clairvoyance yeah. on there <laughs> we we literally it, we knew it was going to be the first single, but we sat on it for a while because it felt too opportunistic to release it right away. It felt a little on the nose. We're like, this is going to seem like we just saw the news and wrote this song. And go, eh? You know. <laughs> so we just we just had to sit on it for a minute. But um, but yeah, like there was no shortage of things to write about um, for sure. Um, but but it it came from. You know, I think a very um, broad place where I think so many people can relate, and it doesn't feel time stamped. It feels like this is going to be relevant next year, you know, because there's always shit going on, right. you know, and this is going to be relevant this year because we all need help. We all, we all could, you know, um, reflect on on this at any time. So, um, yeah, I think that was like you said, it became, you know, everything around me just became this muse for the lyrics. And, and it didn't feel like contrived or trying to write a radio song or right. anything like that. It just like, this is where I'm at right now. This is what's coming out. And, um, and it felt very real. And I'm sure it's got yeah. to feel very freeing uh, for you to come back on the sixth record and do this all yourself. As you said, I think that's absolutely awesome. I love, I, I, I absolutely love uh, uh, heavy is the crown. I could, I mean, Thank I don't know you. if it's happened yet, but I really hope that some sports like casters pick it up and put it in between, like on ESPN and shit. Because it sounds, that would be dope. Sounds like it great. would, you know, you're doing your montage for for one of the for yeah. like the NFL or something like that. You're kind of like it sounds like it could go along with that, man. So uh, I, I hope or that MMA, 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 MMA do yeah, it, like, any any of yeah. it, man. It would. I, I think it goes. I think it, I think the sound lends itself to that. So I hope that works out well, for you. And the video, yeah, that last thing that. I got to ask about is. Uh, yeah, uh, I know you guys are. I know you personally are really into the imagery on on everything from this record. Uh, tell me a little. Yeah. I, I just watched the video, and I know that you're going to keep releasing these new chapters of it because you leave it to be continued at the end. And tell me a yeah. little bit about the the imagery of this record. That um, those videos definitely come from a very uh, my my fascination with comic books and and uh, you know growing up, you know. I've been a nerd all my life. You've you've uh, you've, you've actually I drawn heard. covers. You've actually drawn covers of of uh, of some DC and, and Marvel comics. I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
that was my first love, man. I before I got into music, I wanted to be a comic book artist back when I was like, you know, young kid, you know. And then I realized like they sit at a desk for like eight to ten hours a day. I was like, fuck that. I want to, I want to be more active. And then I found music and fell in love with that. But that's, um, that's awesome. Yeah, I I heard you uh, interviewed uh, Kevin Eastman recently, and that was. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I was a huge Ninja Turtles fan growing up. Dude, too, I think so. I think everyone I think everyone was man. I was, uh, dude. I, yeah. I saw him on uh, the Netflix special, The Toys That Made Us, and I would like immediately. My manager my just Curtis. told me. My manager just told me I needed to check that out. I, I'm behind on it. So I'll, I'll give you a little insight on that real quick though, because I did watch it and I was like, oh, that's sad. Those guys don't really get along anymore. And the first thing I asked about, he's like, he's like, no, 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 they totally fabricated. It was all story. fabricated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So everyone, you can go check out that made, episode made too. He was a really, he's a really nice guy, man. He's really cool. I think he liked yeah, it a lot. That's awesome. But yeah, um, but yeah, I've 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 even thought about like, you know, uh, I I, I kind of looked at the videos like, how do we make this kind of like, you know, my love for comics and and you know film and put that all together with the music and and make something really cool that I'd never done before. And then I realized just how expensive music videos are when you don't have a label. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the budgets just like, keep going down we, and down. Like, and the ideas get what? bigger and you're like, how am I going to make that idea fucking happen? <laughs> We're like, we spent what? <laughs> no. Yeah, when you got your own label, which is awesome, man. I, I, yeah. I'm, really, I'm really happy for you, but I know we're running out of time here. I, we could get into so much more of the imagery artistry everything that you do and i hope that yeah. we can again sometime but i don't want to take any more i know yeah, you'd love to long long week of press here for a very cool record man that's coming out this friday or, thank uh, you very much it's man. already out by the thank time you everyone's for having watching me. this so yeah thanks yeah. thanks thanks a lot man everybody go check out jotry's new record dearly beloved it's out right now um it's really really fucking good there's some great stuff in there i just what is your range by the way what's the highest note in your range Probably a C sharp on a good day. Ooh, that's still that's not a, not every day. That's, not that's every good day, then, man. That's good. That's up there. That's up there. All right, man. There's a lot of C sharp. There's a lot of C sharps on this record. I heard him. That's, I was like, what the fuck? That's like that's up there, man. He's going. <laughs> I, I'll I'll be uh, I'll be kicking my own ass when it comes time to sing that live uh, every night. Isn't that the case? Every time you I can't wait to hear you guys' studio? new stuff. I'll show you some stuff before. Maybe next time you're out in L.A. or I'm in Nashville, awesome, I'll, bring, I'll bring some stuff to show you. But, uh, yeah, again, thank you good. so much for your time, man. Uh, really, really fucking cool, cool chat. Let's stay in touch and uh, do this again in person sometime. Absolutely, man. All right. Have Sounds a good, good, Johnny. Thank you so much, man. Be well. Cheers. And that'll just about do it for this week's episode of Drinks with Johnny. Thanks to Chris for being on the show. Thanks to you all for listening. And for more Drinks with Johnny, make sure you head over to drinkswithjohnny.com. We got merch. We've got the whole archive of all of our episodes. Make sure you leave us a rating and a review. All those fun things that I don't like to say at the beginning anymore. I save it for the end. Uh, for those of you who want to be part of the Filthy Animals members only Discord, you can find that at Drinks with Johnny as well. Uh, we're having so much fun over there. I just got done playing today uh, a game of Cards Against Humanity with uh, with the Filthy Animals over there. It was a it was an absolute blast. Also, uh, congratulations to my uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, what a great victory that was. And uh, <laughs> for those who aren't Raiders fans, you know, whatever. Find your own meaning in life. 
But uh, you know, it was it was a lot of fun hanging out with the Discord guys again today. We've been doing some stuff, uh, a lot of fun stuff, and uh, we're gonna keep that going. I think we have an idea for watching a game together, and then uh, possibly doing a watch along of a movie of some kind. So if that sounds like something you'd be into, make sure you head over to JuicyGiant.com and sign up to become a filthy animal. And uh, yeah, you'll get. I think I think we give them uh, early access and bonus material as well. There's a lot of perks to that, so uh, make sure you head over there. And uh, I don't know. There's not really much else to discuss this week. So uh, I'm just going to say, as always, cheers. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station. It was a lifestyle. Cleveland is a rock and roll city for sure. Yeah! Yeah! The Wrath of the Buzzer. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The Wrath of the Buzzard. P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little, a little taste of it right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick, and usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work, but we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics... Um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers, think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. <laughs>